how they're going to know unless someone tells them. Amen. I think the thing about that Ethiopian sitting in that chariot there, he had the word of God and reading it, but he didn't know what he understood till someone went and told him. Thank the Lord. I was thinking, you know, out soldering sometimes, and as it is in the winter time, it gets so cold, and the and the cold burns sometimes. But I think about those that are burning in hell right now. Amen. Amen. Church, a special place. Let's let's pray. Father, thank you again for this time. <clears throat> thank you so much for loving us. Thank you. Somebody told me about you. Thank you, somebody came and spread the gospel. Thank you that you came to die for us so we can have eternal life. And thank you, Lord, for loving something that's special to us, too. You love the church. Bless us and help us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you notice in chapter number 2 here in verse 13... I'll start out by saying this. You notice the first word says and. Where and means it's connected to that which is preceding that. And what was preceding that which was the first miracle of our Savior. It turned the water into wine there at that marriage. And, and uh, so uh, this was, was, pre, was, those were things that were happening. Now understand this was the beginning of the ministry of our Savior. It's right at the beginning. He's and uh, uh, the, at this wedding feast, and and uh, but it was also something very important. Now he's done this miracle, and then we came to verse thirteen. It says, "And the Jews' Passover was at hand." This time, this feast that was very important was at hand. This was about to happen. They've come there to Jerusalem for this great feast, and uh, uh, again, after, this is just pretty much immediately after the baptism of Jesus and then this first miracle of our Savior. And uh, now it's time for the Passover. The Passover was established in the book of Exodus. In Exodus chapter number 12, verses 1 through 14, we find out about the Passover, the greatest feast of the Jewish folks. And and uh, uh, it was a very important time to them, and, and they would observe that every year. And now we find in the scripture that it was time for the Passover feast, and the people would go to Jerusalem for that time and celebrate that. And, and uh, uh, understand what was happening, try to, try to give you a picture of what's happening at this time. Jesus is now 30 years old, and uh, his ministry has begun and uh, he's only going to have about three years of a ministry and then was going to die upon the cross of Calvary. But oh, how much was done in that time. But here is this time, he's 30, 30 years old and, and he's going there to the temple. Now, this is the beginning of his ministry, but he has always been about his father's business. Uh, the, we find in the Bible that he was always going to, uh, going to the temple. He was always, uh, through his life, I believe, that, that he was always found himself there at, at the temple there in Jerusalem for that feast. And uh, uh, I believe that Jesus knew what he was going to find when he got there. Because we just read that when he got there, he saw what was happening and it wasn't anything good. Uh, it was supposed to be a very joyful time. It was supposed to be a sobering time 
in what that feast meant. And he had, he had, go, he had been there before, and, and, and he knew what was going to happen. He knew what was going to happen. One reason why it was because he had been there. He knew what was happening there. And also this, let's not forget, Jesus was God in the flesh. He knew everything. That's hard for us to wrap our minds around something like that. How could he be man and yet God? But he was. He was the God-man. And, uh, and, and so when I, when I think about that, here Jesus knew what was happening at the temple. But he had been spending his whole life, he's 30 years old now, he's going there to the temple for that, at that time uh, for that feast. But he had been going to that temple all along. His folks had taken him there. And so he knew because he had been there, but he also knew because he was God what was going to happen at that time when he got to that feast. And so the Passover was a very important feast. It was one of three that was very important for the Jewish folks. And, and it was a time that was, was required for those that were pure, that were ceremonial clean, I, I guess I should say. It was required for them to attend. So every year, while Jesus was on this earth, every year he would go with his family to the temple at that time and uh, 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 to observe that. The Bible says in Luke chapter 2, verse 41, now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. So this has been happening for 30 years. And again, this is just a little bit of background as we get into the message here in a moment. And, and, and so he's been going to the temple all these years and been seeing what was going on each and every year. But now it's come to a head, if you will. Now he sees what is happening, and he has seen it all along, but now he takes some action about what has happened. What does he find? Well, verse 14 tells us, And found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and changers of money, money sitting. Now, is it sin to sell some animals? Of course not. It wasn't sin for them to do that, but these folks were there at the temple and they were uh, uh, selling these sheep and the doves, and the, there was the money changers there at that time. I don't believe it was a surprise to the Lord. I believe they had been doing that before because people would travel from all over to come and bring, bring a sacrifice at that time of the feast. And, and so he knew what was going on before and, and now he sees the same thing that is happening. But I believe what's happened was there was a lot of changes that was going on during this time. Were they in the last 30 years changing money? Why, sure they were. Were they in the last 30 years buying or selling these animals for sacrifices? I'm sure they were. Because people would travel from many miles away and they, were, they couldn't maybe bring some animals with them. And they would come. They knew they could go there. And there would be people that could sell these things to them. And, and they could have them there for the, the, the sacrifice. And so the Lord had been there for 30 years. He's seen what happened. And, uh, and these things were, were things that he knew. But... This has been happening, and, and when I say 30 years, it had been happening for 1,500 years, the feast there at the temple of the Passover. So this is not something new. So I'd have to say in, in the 30 years, I think our Lord saw a lot of things changing in the temple. But there was 1,500 years of change. Actually, it's been going on. That's a lot of time. And, and, and that, this was the time of the Passover and uh, uh, the time, 1,500 years, the Passover in Egypt, over 500 years past the building of Zerubbabel's temple and uh, at the end of the Babylonian captivity. And so 
they had seen a lot of things happening, and our Savior did too. But this, this is what I want us to understand. A lot of things had changed. Now, change is not wrong if you're changing something that is wrong and doing what's right. But we're never to change the Word of God. You know, I, I, I talked to... Uh, talk to folks about some things. I, uh, uh, Brit, Brittany and, and uh, her fiance was here the other day, and I was talking to them, getting ready for the marriage. Tried to talk them out of it, but they're going to do it. And uh, I told them, I said, "Man, I'm telling you, it's like a chain and ball." I tell you. But uh, now I, I talked to them a little bit. But uh, one of the one of the things I did, and we'll do it with Lydia and, and her man, if he still wants to go through with it too. And uh, I, I one of the one of the little booklets I, I used to talk to him is a booklet was was printed a long time ago. But I told him this. I said, "Truth never changes." I look at pictures of me when we started the church. I had lots of hair. I'll have to say this too, I had a lot more pounds too. <laughs> so if I got to lose some of the hair and lose some of the pounds, amen, I'll make that sacrifice. I look at I was a young man, and now I'm an old geezer. Time's gone by, times change. But we still use the same Bible. We still preach the same thing. Why? Truth never changes, it never does. And so the change has been coming in the temple, and I believe they were slowly but surely happening. And the result, this is what the sad thing was, the result became common to man. To where that they took the changes in stride and said, well, you know, that's just the way it is. At Heritage Baptist Church, we used to be in a boarding home, but we changed. People thought we were fancy when we had that little building down there. It was a cider press building. We had genuine fake wood paneling. We had, we had the cheapest carpet you could find. We had, we had chairs and little old pews. Uh, and we had pews that weren't bolted down. When we said, let's all stand and sing, people grabbed the pew in front of them. You know how you do? Pull yourself up. Man, you ejected the people in the seat in front of you when you did that. Man, but we thought we were downtown. We had a baptistry. It was a horse trough. I mean, man, we, we had a pulpit that a man made out of plywood. And, and, and you know, I mean, thankful. But we thought we were downtown. Well, we had even a fan. We had a fan in the ceiling, an exhaust fan, because we'd get hot in there. And we said, well, we'll just put this big old fan. So the guys got and they put this fan. I mean, it was like this wide square. They put that up there in the ceiling. And it would start getting warm. I see people doing this. And they'd push the button for that fan. And I'm telling you what, if you didn't have your wig tied down, it was going out. I mean, that fan would come on. I mean, hold on to your Bible. Page in the Bible, we're flapping, you know. And, uh, and, but we thought we were downtown because we had that building. Man, we changed. We changed from those little blue chairs that when you sat in them, you felt like your back was breaking at the home. And we came to pews that ejected people out. And, and, and then what happens, we finally, we came that Sunday. Some of you remember that. We came from down there. We walked in this building here. We changed. We had padded pews, man. I'm telling you what, the only padded we had before was what we had on us, amen? And when we come and we had padded pews and we had plush carpet and we had mauve pews, not pink. Mauve. Don't you ever call them pink? I'll punch you for that one. Well, we changed. 
we still have the same Bible, same, same belief, same God, same preaching. Because truth never changes. But there was a change happening in the temple here. Verse 15 and 16 says, and when this is, this is how it bothered the Lord. When he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple. And the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overthrew the tables. I'd have to say the Lord had a little fit going on there, didn't he? You say, well, the Lord understands. He exactly does. You know, I don't think, you know, people try to make it sound like Jesus was a sissy. Don't sound like a sissy to me. He made a scourge of small courts. He drove those people out. I'd have to say he was probably outnumbered, wouldn't you think? But he had that scourge. He, he just drove them all out, and he drove out drove all the, all the sheep and the oxen. That was no, no easy task, probably. And then the money changers, he dumped all the money out. Can you imagine? They're probably having heart attacks over that. He's talking about money. But our Lord was upset. You see, God, God, sees sin, God, God sees sin as we don't see sin. It don't bother us too much. Oh, oh, the sin of other people bother us. But our sin don't bother us so much. But the Lord was perfect and he saw what was happening there and what they were doing in the temple. The house of God. And upset him so much that he caused a ruckus there. He tore that place up. But here's the thing. The cleansing that happened there was instant. But the change was gradual. And here's what we've got to be careful about. The gradual change. When we don't mention sin anymore... We don't bring up things from the Word of God. When we skip certain areas of the Bible, that's not to happen. But the Lord took care of things. And you say, but preacher, why did he do that? Verse 16, And said unto them that sold doves, Take these things hence, make not my whose? Father's house. And house of merchandise. What did he call the temple? My father's house. My father's house. You know, I believe the church house is my father's house. You've heard me oftentimes say, I don't own this place. My name's not on the deed. And neither is any of yours either. Y'all don't own this place. Now, we're responsible for it, but we don't own it. Some guys sign for it. You know, sign, well, let's put it this way. They signed the loan. But their name's not on it. You know who owns the church? The Lord does. Now, his name doesn't say the Lord owns this building. But the thing is, if all of a sudden we said, hey, you know what? We're not going to have church anymore. You and I can't take anything out of here ourselves. The only thing I can have, and I've said it so many times, the only thing that I can take out of here is my books in there and some of the stuff I have in my office. I don't own these pews, the piano, the organ, and, and the baptistry. I, I, don't, I don't own any of this stuff. This is all the Lord's. The, the, the bricks here belong to the Lord. This, this building is his. My father's house. Now, I'll tell you this. My father doesn't live here. My father lives in me. 
and you, when we got saved, the Spirit of God came to live within us. Our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. But make sure you don't forget the importance of the church. Because I see the Lord saw the importance of the temple there. And people were disrespecting the temple. His father's house. In his anger, verse 17, and his disciples remembered, remembered it was written, The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. He said, what's going on here? It's eating me up. They've seen these things have been happening for all these years, very slowly coming some changes, and now it's got to this place where, where the, the condition of the house of God was something terrible, where he said, I mean business here now, and I believe our Lord was very, very passionate about what he needed to do to make God's house what it ought to be. Why did God do it? Why did the Lord do it? I believe he did it because of his love for the house of God. You know, we as God's people ought to love the house of God too. I'm not afraid to say this. I love this place. I, I cannot come down the road. You know, when I come down Piney Creek Road, you know what I start doing? I start looking for the steeple. And we need to paint it so any of you are really brave, see me. I should say brave and stupid, see me. But I look and I, I look for that steeple and I, I see that steeple and I thought, there it is. I come down here. I don't know how many times I said to my wife, I don't know why anybody doesn't want to, why, why more people don't want to come to this church. Just because it's so pretty. It's so beautiful. You come down there, especially in the fall, you see the beautiful red brick church, white steeple, and you see the colored leaves on the mountain. It's picturesque. And then the pastor. Wow. What a hunk. They still say that? Yeah. Hon, you're going to have to call me something else now, all right? Not a hunk of clod, maybe. I don't know what that, maybe that's what it is there. But uh, I used to be able to say, remember they said, Wendy, where's the beef? I used to be able to go, right here's the beef. Now they have to say, where's the pork? Right here. <laughs> The Lord meant business because he loved the house of God. I began to think, I wonder how the Lord looks at the house of God today, sees what's happening in the church. I think the Lord's, some of these things I'll mention here is not happening here. I was talking to a man the other day, and he, he listens to my radio, uh, listens to us on the radio, and I, I stopped by, he lives in Altoona, and I stopped and I drop him off some CDs. He likes to hear me on the, on the CDs. And it's a lot better on CD. You don't have to look at me, amen. But uh, he listened to the CDs. And, and, uh, uh, oh, and, and can, can, I, can I tell you a little? It's not my nose. Can I tell you something else? He, he, he said this, and I had another man say this too. They hadn't even been here in church. And said, your people sound like very godly people. Now, folks, understand, the CD is me preaching. But the amen is y'all. He says, your people participate. They're with you when you preach. So you don't understand that in those CDs and those sermon audios, people are hearing you. That's scary, isn't it? Your voice is going and your cackle is going all over the world. Amen. Amen. 
this man said to me, he says, you know, Pastor, he said, I used to go to church, and all of a sudden, Sunday school started this way. Teacher came in, had a big screen with all of his notes on the, on the wall. And he said, what they did, they went and they got blue lights. They blue lights, and they turned, they dimmed the lights down in the auditorium. You know, that's what they do in the theaters, in the movie houses. That's what they do in the bar rooms. Well, the reason I know is because Vernon told me. <laughs> but they've turned the, those lights out. In the clubs, the lights are dim. I think men love darkness because their deeds are evil, the Bible says. And now what's happened, our church is doing it too. We dim the lights. The man said this, they dim the lights. I couldn't even see my Bible. I'm thinking, what in the world? If anything, it ought to be brighter so we can see the Word of God, have the Word of God, read the Word of God, preach the Word of God. Worldly music, worldly dress, worldly Bibles, so-called Bibles. It used to be church was special. But what brought, what brought about the changes in the temple? I'm thinking, what in the world happened here? Why has it become so commercialized? Why has it become not so important anymore? What happened? Well, I think there's quite a few reasons, but for time's sake, I'll only give you a few this morning. But here's a few things I think happened that caused the change. One of them was this, the failure of Israel to remember. You know, it's a good thing to remember. And you know what? You better do it now because there may come a time in your life you won't be able to. How sad that is. I watched my dad go through that time of, of, of Alzheimer's. And I sat across from him when he couldn't remember me anymore. Broke my heart. Last thing he was able to remember was the war stories from World War II. And he would tell those stories, but he'd look at me and he couldn't remember me. And how sad it was to see the memory go. You know what's sad? A lot of Christians today are losing their memory. No, it's not Alzheimer's, but they're losing their memory. Their failure to remember the things that God has done for us. I think what was problem here with Israel was the Passover of the Lord was the greatest act that was ever performed by God, and they forgot about it. They were going to the feast of the Passover. Bible years, a lot of folks had no idea what the feast of the Passover was about. The feast of the Passover, the Passover was about the freeing of God's people out of Egypt. And they forgot. They were going through. It became so commercialized. It became so being a habit that they went to and never thought about what was happening. They forgot. Remember, there, the Passover was about this, that they had to take a lamb that was without blemish. They had to put that lamb up. It had to be a special lamb. And they had to put that up and they would sacrifice that lamb. They would take the blood. And the Lord said, you've got to put the blood on the doorpost and on the mantle. You've got to put it across by that door. Have that blood there. Because the Lord said, I am going to pass over this night. And where the blood is, that everyone will be all right. But where the blood was not put on the doorpost, that firstborn child died. Remember all the different plagues that went on in Egypt and, and, and Pharaoh wouldn't let the people go. But this was the one that was going to do it. And they put that blood. I mean, how important was that? Could you imagine? The firstborn. 
Reese, you're the oldest one in your family, so I'll just use you. I was going to use you, but you're not the oldest. Lydia, you're the oldest, but I've already picked you, Reese. Reese, that means this, that if you were lived in that time and it was a Passover, your dad would have to make sure that he got a lamb without blemish and put that blood on because if he didn't do it, you would have died that night. Can you imagine, folks, how awful that'd be? They could have said, well, I just don't think it's important. I think dead sure they would think it important in that morning when they got up and that boy was found dead in his bed. I can imagine little boys and, and kids there at that time when they go to bed and they look at daddy and say, daddy, daddy, would you look one more time? Would you make sure that the blood is still on the doorpost? Make sure, daddy, that blood is there. They didn't want to die. Oh, what an important time it was. The Passover. And what happened? Finally, that happened. And Pharaoh said, that's enough. He said, get rid of these Jews. Get them out of here. But they had forgotten about it. Yes, they were going to the temple. Yes, they were going to the Passover. But they didn't even think about what was happening. It was almost like a carnival to them. They failed to remember it became a place, a commonplace to them. They forgot the bondage of Egypt. Exodus 3, 7, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. I know their sorrows. They forgot their bondage. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something here this morning. You know what will be the downfall of Heritage Baptist Church? When we forget. When we forget what the Lord brought us out of. When we forget the bondage that we were in. You say, well, preacher, you know, I don't think I'm not that bad. Let me tell you something. Every one of us in this room were bad enough to go to hell. Every one of us in this room, if you're saved right now, there was a time you were one breath away from a burning, fiery hell. Don't forget about that. You know, I thank the Lord I was raised in a Christian home. You boys sitting there. Thank God they're raised in a Christian home. They're going to miss a lot of the things they need to miss. Thank the Lord. But they still needed a Savior. Without a Savior, they'd go to hell. Without a Savior, we would go to hell. Don't forget. We were all on our way to hell. Don't forget, we were all sinners deserving that burning place. But remember what God did for us. I believe Israel needs to remember what God brought them from. Hey, Passover time. All right, let's get all the kids. Hey, let's, let's bring some snacks and let's just have a good old time. And they were going on to forgot what happened. Why was it remembered? It's kind of like Christmas time. People today, even Baptist preachers, forget it's not about Santa Claus. It's about Jesus. Saw some pictures of a Baptist preacher and his wife. He dressed up as Santa Claus. She dressed up as Mrs. Santa Claus. I mean, that's a slap in the face to Jesus to me. God have pity on that. Call himself Independent Baptist. I'm telling you what, you need to change that name, bud. We just made, we just made, it, made, made, made Christmas and everything else. Easter time's about an Easter bunny. No, Easter's about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what Israel did. They forgot. They forgot about the defeat of, of Egypt. Egypt was the greatest power on the earth. 
The Bible says in Exodus 10, 7, And Pharaoh's servant said unto him, How long shall this man be a snare unto us? Let the men go, that they may serve the Lord their God. Knowest thou not yet that Egypt is destroyed? Satan is powerful, but he's defeated. Are you listening? He's defeated. I thank the Lord, you know what? Up from the grave he arose. We're about to celebrate Easter time. But think about it. We don't have to wait till then. But realize now that we have a Savior that arose. Satan was defeated. Satan could not keep him down. I believe Satan thought, we got him now. Man, he's in that tomb. There's a rock in front of it. And there's soldiers to make sure nobody takes him. (laughs) All the rocks in the world couldn't keep him in. All the soldiers in the world couldn't keep him in. He arose up from the grave. He arose just like he said he would. Just like what he was talking about there. Did you notice in verse 19, Jesus said unto them, Destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. And he said, well, that temple took so long. He's talking, he said, I'm talking about me. I'm going to die, but I will rise again. Praise the Lord, he rose again. I'm glad it's an empty tomb. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. Don't forget that what we've been saved from. The, thank the Lord for the power of God was greater than the power of Satan. Israel forgot their salvation. Exodus 12, 13. And the blood shall be for you a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Don't ever forget your salvation. It's good for us to remember the day we got saved. Amen. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that uh, Paul Levine preached that time down at the camp in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. I'm so glad he preached and I got saved. I was on my way to hell. Man, I grew up in church. I did all the things all the church guys did, all the kids at church did. I did the right things. I was, was always in church. I was in a youth group. But I was lost. I think as we sing those songs we did this morning, Sunday school and church, man, I start thinking again, how glad I am I'm saved. I'm glad I'm saved. You know, you got these sports guys out there, you know, they're, they're on top of the world, it seems like, and the movie stars and all that, they think they're on top of the world, and the music stars on top of the world. I'm telling you what, we are the ones on top of the world. We know Jesus is our Savior. Israel forgot their deliverance. Exodus 14, 8, And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He pursued after the children of Israel, and the children of Israel went out with an high hand. <laughs> don't, ever be, don't ever forget where God brought you from. I like that song, He brought me out of the miry clay, set my feet on a rock to stay. Thankful for my deliverance. I'm his child. He said, Preacher, you're not going to have the riches of this world, but i got a mansion somewhere that I'm going to move into someday. I read about a man one day. He was so, he was so rich, he was afraid going would die. He didn't want to die and leave all his riches here. And his story says that he, he said, he said an angel, a preacher said to him one time, said, hey, what you can do, you can take one suitcase with you to heaven. So a man went and put his gold in the suitcase, and he died, and sure enough, when he got to heaven, he had a suitcase in his hand full of gold. He walks up to the gate, and they open the gate and say, well, you can't bring that in. He goes, no, I brought this in. They said, well, you can't. That, what's in it? And he opened it up. And he said, look at there. 
Look at all that gold. And all of a sudden, one angel said, look, they brought more pavers. <laughs> Amen. Isn't that good? Aren't you glad you came this morning? Yeah, right now. You got your money's worth right now. But you know, you think about it, I'm glad. Don't, don't forget, he delivered us. <laughs> I'm not going to go to hell. I'm saved. He delivered me. I didn't do anything good enough to go to heaven. I feel sorry for the folks that find out so many. Say, well, we're doing the best we can. Ask them how much do they have to do. They have no idea. I can't do anything. I do things because I'm saved. I don't do things to get saved. Don't forget your salvation. Don't forget your deliverance. But I think they lost something else. Not only they forgot, but they failed. The failure of Israel to respect the things of God. God's name is not a cuss word. Now, people, I'm, I'm so tired of folks talking, using God's name in vain. just makes me mad. But I'll say this, too. We need to have respect for God's name, but we need to have respect for God's house. Like I said, this isn't my building, but I have respect for it. We're not going to have some crazy wild party go on in this building. People sometimes ask, are you going to, you, do you rent the building out? We don't rent the building out. You know why? I want to make sure everything in here is done right. You say, you think you're the boss? No, I am the pastor, and I think that there is some authority there. But I'm saying this, well, I'm going to guard this. I don't want anybody coming in here and having some bingo party in the basement. I want to make sure this place is done right. Why? It's the Lord's house. I, I think we need to have some respect for it. And, and, and what happened here in our story is I think man had made the temple just a commercial place. It made it something else other than how, how important it was. The Passover was for a specific reason. And the time was to come for them to bring the sacrifice for a specific reason here. But it became no respect. It's kind of like the picnic. I like the church picnic, don't you? I like it. We have a lot of fun. We have that barn down there. And boy, I tell you, that's a lot of fun. You folks are new here. You haven't got yet. You just stick around. I'm telling you, you're going to be glad. They're going to say this summer, man, I'm glad we started going there because they got a barn and a picnic. They're going to love it. You're going to love it. I'm telling you right now, you thought the, the, the banquet for the sweetheart banquet was something? Yeah, this is going to blow your socks off down here. It really will. They're going to be so disappointed, aren't they? <laughs> it's going to be cool. You'll like it. But what was I talking about? The barn. Yeah, that's it. But, the, the, you know, when I think about the church picnic, I mean, we have a lot of fun down there. But you know what? That's not church. We'll go down there, and we'll, we'll have candy games for the kids. We'll, we'll give them all kinds of candy, get them all shored up, send them home, amen, like Bible school. And, and we'll have a good time. We'll go there. We'll eat things we shouldn't eat. We know we shouldn't eat it, but we'll eat it because it tastes so good. And we'll eat it sometimes just because it looks so good. And, man, we'll, we'll, we'll do stuff. And, but here's the thing. That's on a Saturday, but on a Sunday we come into God's house. I mean business. It's God's house. They lost respect. Now, and I said at the beginning, there many people had to come and get sacrifices. Now, I don't believe it was wrong for them to sell it, but I believe there were some thieves in the amongst, amongst them. 
They bring sac- sacrifice would be a lamb without spot. You know what they do? They, 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 they kind of fix them up, make them look good. My son told me about, worked with some Mennonites, and they said that they get more money for black horses. So if you get a brown horse, they found out this. So here got, you got some folks that aren't too uh, above board. And what they'll do, they'll get some like black polish, and they'll polish these brown horses black. Yeah, amen. And they make them blacker because they bring more money because a black horse is what they want. You know, I think if I was a Mennonite, what I'd do, I'd go buy a white stallion. Just show them, huh? Can you imagine? Man, I'd be the only one driving down there with my little lights blinking with a white stallion. Some of you are saying, man, I think he ate his cocoa puffs or cuckoo puffs for cuckoo for cocoa puffs this morning. But you know what? They had to have sacrifice. And some of them, they, they would bring blemished. And then they, I'm sure they had some unblemished. Hey, for a little bit more, I'll give you the unblemished one. The thieves. They didn't, they, didn't, they didn't have respect for the house of God. And then it was a money changers. And again, that's not a really bad thing because they had to because people came from all over and there was different currencies. If you ever traveled to another country, like Seth, when you guys were down in uh, uh, Guyana, you couldn't use American dollars there, could you? You had to go and exchange it. You go and you give them your American dollars and they would give you Guyanese money. And you pretty much had to trust the guy, didn't you? He goes, oh yeah, that's the same amount. You're like, I hope so. <laughs> you know he's not really telling the truth when he goes, <laughs> puts it in his pocket, right? But they had money changers and they would go through the money and they would, they, they would exchange the money and some of them were crooks. They needed to exchange money so they could buy something there. It all would be changed into the Jewish money of the shekels so that they would, they, they would be able to purchase something. There was nothing wrong there. But you see, it became a business. It became something. They forgot what it was all about, the Passover. And they were coming to the house of God. And our Savior said, this is not the way it's supposed to be. And he took that scourge and, 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 and had everything cleaned out because of the disrespect. Of the house of God. All respect was lost. It became a commercial place. And a place of merchandise. I believe the house of God was to be a place of worship. Not a place of merchandise. I believe it's supposed to be a place of prayer. Not a place of personal gain. I believe it's supposed to be a place of sacrifice. Not a place of convenience. Amen. I think it's even kind of interesting how they talked about it. Verse 13, and the Jews passed over. This was, this, really, it was the Passover of the Lord. But I think that kind of tells us how it was going then. It was the Jews' Passover. It's our party time. It's our time we get together. We see people we haven't seen for a long time, and that's fine. I'm sure that happened. But I think after a time, they let the things not be important to them. Ladies and gentlemen, we're not going to change the preaching. We're not going to change the Bibles. We're not going to change our music. But make sure when you come to church, don't you change when you come into church. Don't let it be just out of habit. Don't forget the reason. It's not to show off the new outfit you got. It's not so you have some brownie points with the preacher. We ought all come to the church, God's house, say, God, I need something today. It has to be the Passover of the Lord. 
We need to have respect for this place because it is his. Again, may I say he does not live here, but it's his. And I think we ought to be careful how we treat it. We try to take care of things around here. Why? It's the Lord's. It's the Lord's. You know, people, people come to preach sometimes. They go, how long have you been in this building? And I tell them, and they go, wow, I can't believe it. I always say this. Our people take care of this place. And we should. Because it's the Lord's. It's the Lord's. Yeah, his house is more than the furnishings, though. His house is this place we come together and we use the word of God. We preach the word of God. We read it. We preach it. We pray. We worship him. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abound in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I think we ought to be careful how we come to church. We ought to come in here and say, God, speak to my heart in the music. Now, folks, understand this. We may not always be a song that you like and you tap your foot to. I'll guarantee you this. Every song has a message. We, we won't always perform it the best. I'll guarantee you this. We ought to, every time when we sing, our heart ought to be into it. Not up here to say, look at me, but to say, oh, Lord, maybe I'd bring glory to you. You'd be pleased. May the message that I pray, that I sing touch our hearts. We come to church as we give, not that we give grudgingly, but as we give as unto the Lord. Understand that it's worshiping nearly Him, of giving unto Him. As we sing, to sing out. Because we have respect for Him. May we be careful that we don't go through the motions. Now it's time for us to go to church again. We pull that outfit out, and we get in the car, and we come, and we sit there and go, all right, I got 10 more minutes to sleep before we have to get up and go. No. Well, I'll come here and say, oh, God, do something. You see, the real change comes not necessarily in what is preached or what Bible or what songs we sing out of that hymnal. You know what changes so often? Our hearts when we come. People were coming to just go through the motion of the sacrifice and forgot about it. I've had several times, and I'll close with this. I've had several times people ask me. In fact, it happened just, just oh, a few weeks ago. Man hasn't been here in probably 30 years. I was talking to him. He said, how's church going? I said, all fine. I said, we just celebrated 40 years. And this is what I find people do that have known me for a long time and, and, and known our church for a long time. They'll say this, do you still, I always think that's interesting. They go, do you still preach from the King James Bible? Do you still have, how about this one, altar calls? You know, uh, you know what's really been neat? So far, every one of them that asked me, do you still, my answer is yes. 
You know why? Because the book hadn't changed. One man told me, he says, I haven't seen an altar call in years. I've not seen anybody go to an altar in years. But there was a time. Their churches don't have evening services anymore, but there was a time. Don't have prayer meetings anymore. There was a time. Used to have standards, but not anymore. But there was a time. You see, when they say, do you still, and I can answer them with a yes, it didn't happen by accident. It's happened on purpose. You better be careful on blaming where the change is at. Because a lot of times, and that's what happened in the temple here, the people have allowed things to happen in their own lives. To where it was, ah, just change the money out. It just became like a the Mardi Gras it to a lot of people is. They just have the party time. Bunch of foolishness. And the Lord was so upset, he took a scourge and drove them all out. What's the Lord think this morning? I think he's pleased because we opened up this King James Bible. I think he's pleased for the music that we had today. I think he's pleased that we're here on Sunday morning. I think he's pleased we had Sunday school and Sunday preaching and Sunday night and Wednesday night and we come together like this. But when he looks at our hearts, does he see that we have forgotten, that we're not respecting? We just kind of forgot where we've come from and there's where change comes. Let's make sure we stay on top of it, amen? Amen. And come to church the right way. Things change, but I think it's sometimes this. I've used this a long time ago. I said I was going to close, but I'm going to close after this one. (laughs) I think sometimes we have the Limburger cheese in the mustache syndrome. The man that had Limburger cheese in his mustache thought the whole world stunk. And it was in his mustache. I'll tell you, church just isn't what it all used to, what it used to be. Limburger cheese. You say, well, if it's a woman, in the fuzz. <laughs> Some of you ladies are like, yeah, now what are you gonna say? And I did, didn't I? <laughs> I won't be shaking hands when we walk out when you walk out this morning. But you know, maybe we all stop and make sure that that Limburger sins out of our life. And things will start smelling a whole lot better. Amen. I love you all. really do. I love you all so much. But let's be very careful how we treat church. It's a special place. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for this time this morning. Thank you for the word of God. Lord, the story there has been there forever. And Lord, here we bring it up again this morning. Lord, help us. Help us not get to the place like they did back then in the temple. But Lord, you, kind of, you, gave, you gave us it straight, didn't you, Lord? You showed us what, how you felt about it.
And Lord, I tried this morning to give it straight in the preaching of your word. Lord, may I always, when I come to this pulpit, take it serious to preach the word of God. Help us all be serious about what Bible we use and what songs we sing. And we always make it important to take care of the house of God. Not only by cleaning it and washing it and painting it, but attending it. Lord, help us see the importance of the church. With our heads bowed, our eyes closed this morning. Maybe God spoke in your heart about your life. Oh, you hid this morning. You've gone through, but you know it's in your heart that you kind of grown a little, grown a little cold. Just like some problem, maybe there you ought, you ought to stop and realize the importance of the church, how much God loves it, and how that one day you used to love it, and how we ought to still love it today. God speak to your heart this morning. Is everything all right between you and the Lord? You come to church and you watch the you watch your your watch on your arm and and watch the clock to see what time it is, or do you come saying, "Lord, give me something"? You know, our prayer ought to be this: Lord, help the preacher preach till I get something. And if we pay attention, we get it right away. But let's make church a special place. But maybe you're here this morning, you're not saved. So, preacher, I. I've gone through the motions. We're going through motions. Don't save anybody. Was there a time in your life you accepted Jesus as your Savior? I wonder if there'd be anyone here this morning and said, Preacher, if I died right now, I don't know that I'd go to heaven, but I'd like to know that. Pray for me. Would you slip your hand up, anyone this morning? Preacher, I don't know. I don't know that I'm going to heaven, but I'd like to know it. Amen. God bless you. You may put your hand down. You can be saved today. God could save your soul. He really can. Anyone else this morning preach? I'm not sure about that, but I'd like to be sure of that today. I'd like to be sure about that. Christian, this morning, maybe God spoke to your heart. The altar will be open. In a moment, you raised your hand. If you just come, let me know. We'll have someone show you in the Bible how you can know 100% sure you're going to heaven. Father, bless this invitation time. I pray that you bless it now and, and speak to our hearts. Save that one that's raised his hand. In Jesus' name we pray.